everyone. Welcome back to another broadcast from yours truly, Deborah Spears. Today I have a special guest with me. Uh, her name is Tana Marie, and I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell you a little bit about her. Well, hello, everyone. I'm glad to be here. I'm privileged to have uh, be on Deborah's show. Um, I, um, my name is Tana Marie. I'm from Philadelphia. Um, previously, uh, a vet, I mean, also a veteran of the United States Army. Used to work in corporate. Own a a spa, a wellness spa, and I relocated from Philadelphia to Atlanta, where now I'm in practicing um, being a purpose life coach, and um, I've just um, released my book, it's called You Matter, and I'm also doing some motivational speaking now. That sounds wonderful. So I'm um, just curious, why did you choose to be a purpose life coach? Or start with what is a purpose life coach? Well, um, there's all kinds of different coaches and what their specialties are. And I noticed that through my life, I floundered around a lot because I had no idea what my purpose was. And because of that, I tried this and tried that, and I really didn't know um, which direction to go. But once I was in touch with my, my purpose, and I got in tune with that, and I discovered that it was to use my gifts, talents, and abilities, I felt like that is what I wanted to help others with, that we're probably having the same struggles that I did. Okay, so so the so I'm I'm trying to understand the purpose life the meaning of the purpose life coach is Oh the to, meaning is well my the meaning that I'm attached to is what I do is I help women um, to inspire them uh, through their doubtfulness and help them to discover their God-given gifts, talents, skills, and abilities, and to actually fall in love with themselves. And then in turn, once they're there in that energy of their working in their purpose, that they now have the ability and the power to give back from a full cup. Okay. So I'm... Um... I, every, all my followers know that I'm about health and nutrition and how that relates to your health and well-being and your fitness. So I'm going to try to make a connection with um, is the, the negative self-beliefs or the things that you um, coach about or teach about. Is there some connection or relationship between healthy eating, eating disorders, overeating, obesity, those kind of things? Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I, I found myself was that food after um, became a, a drug for me um, to pacify or to um, medicate my own self-loathing um, and 
it helped with uh, me to have something else to focus on other than my anxiety and um, or I was going through a period of depression and low self-esteem. Um, uh, luckily, I didn't end up being a bulimic, but I did become very much so overweight. Um, I put on at least 60 pounds um, through a depressive state that I was going through. So food was my friend at that time, so I thought. So you, so your your unhealthy coping mechanism that was the drink you started drinking to cope with the negative beliefs and things you had, and that led you to eating disorders, or was that a substitute? Well, actually, I had to put down the alcohol and drugs. I started um, initially because of my low self esteem and self loathing, um, drinking at the age of ten. By the time I was 12, I had already been taking pills and smoking cigarettes and marijuana. Uh, by the time I was 13, um, the progression of the disease had uh, me putting needles in my arm with heroin and methamphetamine. And by the time I was 16, it was my first uh, suicide attempt, and that was to overdose. So... I was on a downward spiral very early on in life, and I actually started eating after I had gone through 21 years of my addiction and put down the alcohol and drugs. It just transferred the addiction to food afterwards because it was socially acceptable. Wow, you, uh, you've actually been through a lot. Uh, my dear, so uh, the the tr- the trade-off, which is something that I talk a lot about to uh, my followers, which is the swapping. For example, we talk about swapping cigarettes um, for food, and so you gain weight when you're eating food, and you s- drop the food and replace it with cigarettes, so you lose some weight when you're placing cigarettes. But now you're increasing your risks of cancers, and uh, and so you're thinner, but you're not healthier. Uh, and so they do a lot of trade-offs. So it sounds like you're describing some different kinds of trade-offs, but the outcome was the, sort of the same. Right. Anytime that it's a inside problem and um, someone is trying to address it or avoid it with outside stimulus or substances, um, it really doesn't help. It's just, it's your self-destructing, but it's kind of disguisable when you know if you're doing something that's socially acceptable. I spent 21 years in my addiction, and at the end, I was only 89 pounds. Where I, you know, the drugs and had become what I was enslaved to, and I wasn't eating anything. You know, because every penny that I had, I put it on the next, you know, drug. The next big And um, so, anytime, what I've found, anytime that you're using anything, any substance on the outside of you to medicate or suppress something that's going on the inside, it's going to be self-destructive, it's going to be addictive, and then... It could be 
So, so that was that was your low. So, so tell my listeners a little bit about how you got out of that because that's on eighty nine pounds. I mean, you know, I, I'm a nurse. You know, my my profession has always been with healthcare, and I know that whatever the height is, if you're an adult woman and you weigh eighty nine pounds, there's a problem. So, how did you come out of that? What did you? What happened? Was there a moment, or was it a period of things happening over and over again that you just? moved your way out of it or did you just wake up one day and snap out of it and say I've got to do this differently well I wish it were that easy um, but the last time that I used um, it was to kill myself it wasn't to get high anymore because I just felt hopeless and um, I had been sharing meals with people that had HIV so I thought that there wasn't any hope for me that if, if I didn't kill myself, then something else was going to kill me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got to the end of the road where I burned all the bridges um, behind me, and I just didn't know what else to do. I just, you know, lost all hope. Mm-hmm. And so when I uh, overdosed that last time, I actually made sure that every door and window was locked and secured so that no one would be able to find me. And I um, ended up having an out-of-body experience. And it, there wasn't any bright light. Uh, I ended up finding out that my attempt just was not going to take me to heaven as I thought I was going to do. And um, I had a visitation by darker spirits, so they were attempting to take me away someplace, and, and I screamed out, God, take me away, and that's how I ended up being thrust back into my body, resenting the fact that God, now I'm still alive, and I was so close to dying, um, and from that day on, I, I surrendered. Um, because I knew that I had done everything possible that I could possibly do, and none of it worked. So I had to surrender and, and submit myself to a power greater than myself, because uh, I had no idea what I was going to do going forward. But because of the negative energy that came into that room um, to take me someplace dark, um, I just I finally realized that suicide was not the answer for me. Okay, so I'm. For any listener, and I always try to think about who may be who may benefit from my conversation. So, um, somebody is has been there, or somebody is right there in the middle of it right now. What would you say? What What are the steps? What did you do to get you here through all of that? Um, was it uh, friends? Was it um, church? Was it uh, just um, hotlines or um, going to the emergency room and you met your doctor who actually connected you with the right resources? What, what did you do? What transferred you? What was that transformation that brought you from that dark place to this place, this wonderful place where you are now, where you're loving life? Um, what happened was 
the next day that I, I had been playing with getting clean and sober for years, and I went into a um, rehabilitation program, but I wasn't serious. I hadn't surrendered yet. So I was already in touch with a social worker at the VA hospital, the Veterans Administration. And so the next day I called her and I let her know that I was ready, that I needed help. And I, and that was the first thing I said, I believe, is that I need help. And she said, are you finally ready? Mm. She gave me a, um, a list of meetings to attend and I started the recovery process from there because I was too afraid to die and go to that dark place permanently, but I didn't know what to do and I didn't know how to live life on life's terms. So mm. it was a one day at a time surrendering to, to get help and it, I knew that I was at the end of the road and there was no place else that I knew what to do and it was time for me to into my life and let other people help me. Okay. So what I'm, I'm hearing is something inside. It sounds like you're saying that it was an internal because you have to feel it inside before you can actually get the help that you need. Something in, inside you. You got to be done. Yeah. You got to be done. You have to want to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and I only wanted to live because I was afraid to die. Mm-hmm. So some days that would be the only thing that kept me clean and sober is knowing that I was going to hell. Mm-hmm. If I continued that path and knowing that that was my idea of what hell is, is that those, those dark spirits brought in their own energy. And not only did I feel the pain that I had, but I also felt their pain. Mm-hmm. And that, that helped me to realize that I wasn't taking an easy way out, that something downloaded inside of me and said, if you do it this way, you will have to live that pain, live with that pain eternally. But in life, you've got another chance to be happy, to smile, and, and, and see a bright day. And so... Some days that would be the only thing that I was making the choice not to go into the darkness forever. Mm-hmm. So um, for the connection with the eating disorders, that's, uh, it, it sounds like um, hopefully your weight is up now. You can, you're not 89 pounds any longer. Um, no, as a matter of fact, I'm trying to lose a few pounds. Oh, okay, so that's that's the connection I'm trying to make here because um, when we go through these processes of, of correcting one thing, we sort of uh, just replace it with another uh, another addictive substance. And um, I'm, I do a lot of teaching on the, the addiction of sugar because I feel like sugar is just like a drug. It's an addiction, it's an addictive substance, just like a drug. That's why you keep wanting more of it and more of it and more of it. And we keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger because it's in everything. Um, and so when you made that transition away from the drugs, were you able to um, make the transition without replacing it with another bad habit? Or do you think that? No. Okay. <laughs> I wish I could say I did, but no, I wasn't evolved at all. Okay. So, um, actually, the 
I was always a sweet eater. I wasn't ever really a food eater. Um, so my, I was always into junk food because I didn't like to sit still and I didn't want to be in one environment too long. So I would kind of eat on the run. Okay. Um, and I noticed that it, at the 12-step meetings, they do a lot of coffee, which is another addiction that they're replacing. They're giving you caffeine. Mm-hmm. And and then that had, I mean, I can't drink coffee without sugar. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm pumping the sugar in. Mm-hmm. But it's the lesser of the two evils. So, and it's socially acceptable. So it was a transition that I made. Okay, I'm not doing drugs anymore. Um, and I need to celebrate that. But then I went into the addiction to to sugar. Yes. I gained 60 pounds by eating ice cream every day. Mm. And the reason that I was eating like that is because at the core of who I was, the problems were still there. Mm-hmm. That had not been addressed, that had not been talked about. And yes. so... So, the reason why I, I initially started using substances because I didn't have any tools or skills to deal with the feelings that I have inside. Yeah. So, so if you if I didn't know how I didn't know how to process feelings, I would use something to just mask them. And so then when here I am clean and sober, now the feelings are starting to really pop up that I used to mask with the drugs and alcohol. And I, I did the same. I had the same habit. What am I going to mask it with now? And it was food. Um, if for a minute I didn't feel anything, I just I could just get in touch with my taste buds again. And I was also a smoker. Um, still, after I put down the drugs and alcohol, I was still smoking. And everyone would say, "You're going to gain weight if you put this, if you stop smoking." So I didn't stop smoking for years after, and I did develop lung cancer. So I am a lung cancer survivor. Um, I stopped smoking nine years before the diagnosis. Um, So, you know, I went through a layer, like they say, you peel the layer back with your addiction. So there was a layer, layers and layers and layers covering over those emotions that I was afraid to do. Yeah. Addiction after addiction I had to peel back, so that's how I ended up getting here. Just yeah. to continue to ask for help and deal with the next layer that's coming up. Yeah. And so I think for all of us, if there's any issues with uh, negative or low self-esteem or uh, behavior that is negative and harmful to us, um, the goal is to improve that um, self-esteem and that self-image and find healthy activities to do. And then you're not in, on this. So because it's really just a wheel that you're going spinning around and around and getting nowhere when you replace one addictive substance with another. And even though they are socially acceptable, um, obesity might be socially acceptable in some areas, but it's not acceptable for your body because it's gonna it's gonna shorten your um, longevity and it's gonna shorten your healthy longevity because people wanna right. wanna be healthy. In general, 
to um, improve your self-esteem and your self-behavior will change and you won't, you won't crave anything that is going to be harmful. And it's not true even though people say to us that um, if you stop smoking, you're going to gain weight or if they say if you stop eating, you're going to go back to smoking. That's under the assumption that we can't function without an addictive substance. And uh, so um, when we replace one addiction with another, it really means that we haven't got to the root of improving how we feel about ourselves as a whole. And it's very difficult because all the addictive substances are all in our face constantly. It's everywhere. Sugar's everywhere. Cigarettes are everywhere. You can't buy a car without an ashtray. Uh, you know, <laughs> so I don't want to get on that. But I wish we had more time. I'm running out of time, but I'm going to ask you to tell us a little bit about why you wrote the book. We're going to have to have you back. Um, but just tell us a little bit about why you wrote the book, You Matter, uh, and where people can find you. Where, If they want to uh, get a copy of your book or they want to make a connection with you, let, let people know. Well, the easiest way to get in touch with me is to go to my website, which is called theumatteracademy.com don't forget the the part theumatteracademy.com I'm also on all social media platforms uh, Instagram LinkedIn Twitter you know so you can use youmatteracademy.com or Tana Marie T-I-N-A-H Marie Um, you can find me there uh, you can get copies of the book You Matter uh, off the website as well, and the ebook is available on Amazon. That's perfect. Wonderful. Thank you so much for um, visiting and joining us today. We definitely have to talk more. I know this is a subject that is in high demand um, because we struggle with so many of these things in private and we don't talk about them. Uh, so we do need to talk, bring things out in the open so that we can help each other. Uh, but what are your final words for our listeners today? Do you have any? Yes, I do. I would like to say, no matter where you are in life, it helps to get help. Uh, and there's no shame to that. It makes more sense for you to get help than it does for you to not get help when you need it. So I wish you well and wellness in the rest of your life. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining us. And everybody have a wonderful day. And I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.